So when it comes to sustainability, what do we need to change? How do we change the dialogue? It is a very big challenge. The ways people get pleasure in authorship of doing buildings, of conceiving cities, has to change, both aesthetically and ethically. We're building the equivalent of New York City every month in the world. And now we have to find a new language of architecture that uh, absorbs and simulates the, the problems that we are now facing and of course addresses also the health issues in our cities. It's almost like we have to redefine our relationship between humanity and humans and the structures we interact with. From Round Glass, this is Living with Sunny. I'm your host Sunny Singh. I'm here with my friend Thomas Power. Today we have a very interesting guest, Dr. Pedro Garanio. Dr. Pedro is a global architect and he's been having a fascinating discourse on innovation and creative ideas around sustainability, all these buildings and structure that exist around us, be it our home, be it an office or the public structures. So how do these structures and buildings and sustainability and climate change all come together? Welcome, Pedro. In one of the, your interviews, I, I heard that uh, you love science fiction because uh, if you look at architecture in the current world and science fiction, which gives you a peek in the future, how do you see the world of architecture evolving uh, in the future, given the, the state of architecture in the current world? Architecture as a field, as an, both an artistic and technical field, has to have its moments of climax change. What makes it tick has to change. Uh, the ways people get pleasure in authorship of doing buildings, of conceiving cities, has to change, both aesthetically and ethically, so as to integrate the responses to these problems. But Pedro, that almost, um, and you make a very good point, that almost requires creating an awareness. Now people know about environmental crisis, people talk about sustainability, but there's a lot more talk than deep understanding of this this space. And so we have to change the way we, we, we do our buildings. Our current building uh, structures are not sustainable, whether they are, they are breaking down, dilapidating, um, whether we're using sustainable materials, whether we use LEED certification. There's, a, there's talk, there's some action, but the current way we are going is not sustainable, right? And the human interaction and engagement with the structures we live in maybe the house we live in, the place we go to work in, or places we visit, right, like a museum and all, it's almost like we have to redefine our relationship between humanity and humans and the structures we interact with so that it is on one way sustainable and on the other side, the art of it is preserved versus just saying, these are functional buildings for me. So when it comes to sustainability, what do we need to change? Right. How do we change the dialogue? I think the, the change has to be almost philosophical in the sense that we tend as humans and as architects and urbanists, we tend to uh, consider nature as separate from us. So we are building our, and our built environment is div different from natural environment. But there have been uh, important ecologists uh, defending that there is no nature, original nature anymore, that we have only second nature that has been touched by, by humans and changed by humans. And in that sense, if we start to understand our built environment as part 
of a larger ecosystem, we start conceiving buildings in a way that contributes to that ecosystem and not only extracts energy or extracts materials, it starts to give back. And this is the fundamental shift. Uh, considering that our built environment is part of a larger ecosystem and that, that the balance between built buildings and natural structures has to be achieved in, in new ways. So in that sense, I think we really must go beyond sustainability because it's not about only building in a way that is sustainable, that we can keep going uh, as far uh, as possible. It really has to do with... Uh, buildings that help regenerate their environments. So buildings that include uh, green structures that can bring oxygen instead of dioxide carbon, that along their lives produce more energy than the embodied energy that went into their uh, construction. And so they will compensate those emissions, those initial, uh, initial emissions of being built, and they will keep giving back. And so uh, there are architects already today, especially in the Nordic countries, in Norway, for instance, like Snoeta, who are already defending not net zero buildings, but positive uh, uh, carbon buildings in the sense that they will, uh, they will contribute more than the energy and the dioxide carbon they consumed in their, in their initial parts. Pedro, I watched the uh, climate show on Netflix. Right. And the thing that really surprised me or confused me or foxed me was after the USA and China, the third biggest emitter, as you said, is the concrete, the, the glass, the steel, all the emissions from. And I was thinking, okay, so how do you cut that down? And you've mentioned green buildings. But the thing that really shocked me was when they said on the show that we're building the equivalent of New York City every month in the world. And I, I paused it, rewound it back and said, and heard, listen to it again. We're building the equivalent of New York City every month. Especially in Asia. Especially in Asia. Yeah. How, how is it possible to do, to replace all that concrete, glass and steel with these sort of green buildings with trees growing out of them? How, how, how do we do that? It is a very big challenge. And it has to be, as I said, uh, has to be faced from very different angles. First of all, the concrete industry is trying to achieve ways in which they produce concrete, which has not so much, so much of those emissions. Uh, and this is difficult. There are alternatives to uh, concrete being considered. Timber is coming back because it's sustainable and it can be uh, produced again and again. So more and more timber structures are coming back onto the markets and leading architects are showing that these are compatible with our ways of life. In a way, what you're saying is that if you look at, you know, you're saying on one side, 40% of the emissions are through all of these buildings and structures around us. And overalling the buildings is a big task. We can't just overall all the buildings. Uh, and it seems like insurmountable as, a, as an endeavor. On the other side, you're seeing a lot of innovation happening and green shoots appearing in different places. So you're seeing there's a path to it, but it's a path that's going to take some time. So it's almost like we break down this big task into smaller tasks and saying, what are the little things we can do that have a multiplier effect a year or two or three from now? And that's how we're going to conquer this beast. Exactly. And, and this is also how people can contribute because people do get anxious about the idea that they are contributing or not. They're making their own effort or not. 
And I think it's more or less proven that although it's positive that people recycle and so on, I mean, the individual efforts are not that um, important in relation to uh, changes that will come from policymaking and from big companies adopting uh, new uh, ways of, of doing things. So I think uh, although people have to be involved uh, with their daily efforts, and that is always important, if people reduce their traveling, etc., which seems to be possible after, after COVID-19, we are all contributing with our little efforts. But of course, it's still at the level of government, at level of um, uh, big agglomerates of companies and so on, uh, places, universities where innovation is being produced. It's at that level that uh, knowledge will have to accrue, experiments will have to come through. And Pedro, listening to you, a thought that came to my mind was, you know, today, in, when, when it comes to electric vehicles, the government gives you a tax rebate in the U.S. to do. And I'm thinking that two things. One is, what if the governments of one country after the other said, if you create sustainable structures that meets a certain criteria, we give you a tax rebate or a property tax rebate of certain kind, number one. And number two, one country after the other says we're going to give an annual building price for a building that's highly sustainable or the most sustainable created. Now, it's not those two things will change everything, but it draws down the, the, the dialogue. It actually concentrates the conversational saying and the awareness saying this is important. Let's recognize it. Let's heat up the conversation. More people get involved. So it's almost like the governments have to step up in very two simple ways. Give a tax rebate on one side and say, we're going to give a building price on the other side. And one government, one country after the other imitates this process. Right. right. Now, that's that's what I think most climate scientists are, are saying and environmental economists. You will have to both give incentives and introduce most probably a carbon, a carbon tax. And the carbon tax, I think, will be probably something that will work better than people expect, uh, in the same sense that in face of inequality, uh, millionaires are at this point saying, we want to pay more taxes. Because people will recognize that at a certain point, if things get so dire, it's better to pay uh, and, and, and improve things than just to try and resist uh, that sort of payment. And I do think that a carbon tax, there, there have been defenses on those grounds and talking about well-being and global well-being. Uh, there are people who defend that carbon taxes globally should then be uh, turned into um, uh, an RBI, uh, a sort of uh, income, a basic income, uh, which is same, the same for everybody. Again, as the states did during COVID-19 of sending a check people to people home. Uh, there are people who have made the mathematics and, and consider that a tax carbon would be would generate enough money to pay everybody a salary around the globe every month. And so it, this is incredible, but it's not so discussed. I mean, obviously, it depends on the on the price that you're taxing carbon. But the fact is, if the problem becomes so, so uh, big, then the, 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 the tax on carbon will be higher because you definitely have to 
uh, incentivize people not to produce emissions. And, and the tax carbon will be effective on that respect. I know this is polemic in terms of economics and there are defenders of one side or the other. But what I think is interesting is that sometimes these angles are not so explored in the debate. And I think that's, that's pretty surprising. You have an economy driven by consumption. And this is the mind shift that also has to happen. It has to be um, driven by other factors and not by consumption. Because we do have to reduce consumption. We have to have uh, commodities that last for more time. We have to have better products that uh, save us uh, having to buy something new every, every year because this is what's killing the planet. So we have to find an econ economic model that answers to that, to that problem. And this is really part of the discussion we're having here because resources, and we see the supply chain shortage right now, resources are not infinite as people would like to think. And, and this means that we have to uh, change that, uh, that mindset of having consumption as the driver of our economy. That's really, really good, Pedro. And, and you almost are drawing, Pedro, a parallel between consumption, of course, architecture in terms of buildings and structures, and well-being of society. Right. You're saying this is all interrelated. Yes, completely. And in fact, when it comes again to cities, of course, it is better to be in denser cities because they won't take so much land. So it is better to intensify the, the land use in cities, but it's also better to think more and more about what's called adaptive reuse. So really using existing structures, adapting them at lesser costs, at lesser environmental costs, instead of building new structures and just throwing away the garbage and so on. And of course, circular, circular economy also comes into the picture by the fact that you will be able to tag technology, technologically, you will be able to tag materials and have them uh, tracked so that they can go back into the construction system and so on. So all of these things are also being discussed. And so renovation, rehabilitation is another essential feature when you're considering, uh, considering the, the built environment and the way we have again to shift our climaxes uh, because let's 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 go back and think about the modernist period when the architecture that we know today in our cities uh, was driven both by a desire to improve the health in cities with Le Corbusier defending that you should have streets and and the city that would be uh, healthier than the 19th century city, which was highly polluted and and very uh, with not so much sunlight and so on. And so there was there were these principles of of health, but there was also a desire to use new technologies, new materials that were coming up that could change, of course, the the language of architecture. And so people were really enthusiastic about the new materials like concrete and steel. And it took us 100 years to understand that maybe that was wrong. Maybe that was problematic. And now we have to create a similar shift. So we have to find a new language of architecture that uh, absorbs and simulates the, the problems that we are now facing. And of course, addresses also the health issues in our cities. 
So one of the things we do, Pedro, in our conversations is we end it with a call to action. And and what comes to my mind after listening to you in this conversation is that I would implore, I would request every listener for today to look at their relationship with every structure they go into. Look at the relationship with their house. It's just not a matter of, you know, I have a sitting area, I have a kitchen and I have a bedroom, etc. I use them for these functions. But what is their relationship with their house? Because the house is an extension of them. If they go into an office, it's an extension of them. If they use a public structure, it's an extension of them and the society at large. And I want you to think about it. Any structure you go in today, think how your relationship with that structure is manifested. What thoughts come to your mind? And if that's an extension of you, you protect yourself. You take care of yourself. How about you take care of the extension of yourself? Think about it. Just think about it today. I want to draw attention to our users to Pedro's book, Climax Change. It's a fantastic topic, a really good book. I implore all of you to read it. In these conversations, I've come to notice that although I want to speak about other matters, it always ends up that I'm so co-involved, convoluted by these uh, changes and and these problems that it's really something that I cannot resist. And I would have loved to speak about other topics, uh, which I always also enjoy when thinking about cities and architecture. But at this moment, the urgency is so strong that uh, in a way one feels compelled to use every moment when there is a public forum to uh, call attention to these issues and make people a little bit more aware of what they can actually do, both in their lives, yes, but also in their professional practices, because every professional area will have a contribution to give to this major shift that we are facing so that we can have a better life. Uh, not only over our lifetimes, but for our grandchildren. Well said. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Pedro, it's a, it's a delight to talk to you. Uh, I learned a few things today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It was a pleasure. To, brilliant. It was a pleasure Absolutely well. brilliant, Pedro. And we'll, we'll keep talking, I hope. Thank you for joining us on Living with Sunny. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave us a review. Thank you.